0: Good morning, my name is John Allen, welcome to Risen Church. You like a little intro video there? Um, I'm excited uh, about the Christmas season and I love to, uh, these little trailers or I guess teasers, I'm not sure what you call them. But anyway, um, I, I like it. It's a nice uh, introduction to kind of get our heads in what we're talking about, what we're going through, what this season is actually about. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to continue through our Advent series this morning. But before we do, uh, before we dive in, I want to read a few lyrics from a very ancient song written by the warrior poet King David. Uh, this is a man known as a man after God's own heart. And So I want you to just close your eyes and just listen to these lyrics the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters and he restores My soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. God, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you that you are our shepherd. Lord, I pray that you would draw our hearts, our minds, our souls and all of our strength towards you, that we would draw near to you and that we would trust that you are also drawing near to us. Lord, I pray this morning that you would meet us right where we are, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you have to say to us. Lord, I pray that you would just blow us away, that we would behold wonderful things in your word this morning. So God, now... As I decrease, I pray that you would increase within me. God, I ask that you would speak prophetically through me. And Lord, I ask that if there's anyone anyone in here this morning that does not know you as their Lord and their Savior and the lover of their souls, that they would not leave here without having fully surrendered to you. God, bring us restoration, holistic, every area of our life. Mind, heart. Soul, strength. God, we need need you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, last week, Rich did a great job of uh, kicking off our Advent series and and, uh, preaching on hope. And so this morning, we have come to the candle of peace. So let's make sure we can light it. Here we go. Yeah. All right. So, we've come to the candle of peace in our Advent series, and and, uh, I'm excited to dive into this. Uh, I, I grew up, many of you may know this, I grew up about two and a half hours south of here in Greenville, North Carolina, and Greenville's not a huge city, and it's actually only known for, I think, two things. One is East Carolina University, and the other is Dave Mira. I don't know if you know who Dave Mira is. I definitely do because I grew up with this guy being the celebrity in our city. He's basically like the Michael Jordan of BMX biking. Okay, So he is the, the guy that everyone looks to. He's like the pioneer of the sport, and he actually is from Greenville. He lived in Greenville, North Carolina, and became sort of like the, the pro city is what they called it, because he started drawing all of these other professional BMX bikers, and now it's like probably still the highest concentration of BMX pros in the United States. And so um, it, this guy was absolutely full of life. He married a godly woman named Lauren and they had two beautiful little girls. His house was full of all these X Games trophies and medals. His backyard was like a massive playground for adults. I mean, it was, it was one of those places where you go and you're like, is this real? Like, this is like an actual never-never land. Like, if you go to Michael Jackson's place, it's like, ah, this is like for 10-year-olds. You go to Dave Mirror's house, and it was like, this is awesome, okay? But in his early 40s, he started showing clear signs of what's called CTE. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is a brain condition that's caused uh, many who struggle with this, including Dave Miro, extreme anxiety, depression, confusion, and it eventually took his life. Now, I didn't know him very well, but I have gotten to know his wife and little girls pretty well because they're close friends with my sister and her family, and her little girls, who still live in Greenville. And I hope you never have to endure something like this. But I want to bring up this story. Because even in the most unthinkable, and I would say just extreme chaos, and confusion, and darkness, the grace of God, and the peace of God in Christ was completely triumphant. When Dave's anxiety and suffering was so bad that he he couldn't even sleep, the Spirit of God would come over Lauren. And it would hit her with so much peace that she would lay next to her husband, close enough for him to feel the rhythm of her heartbeat and her breathing. And she would pray over him, and she would tell him to just match my breath. Match my heartbeat. That's what she would pray over him, that's what she would say. And he would drift He would calm down and he would drift peacefully off to sleep. Now some of you may be thinking, man, you know what? (laughs) I need a spouse like that in my life. But if that's your first thought, then you're missing the point. Because you don't need a spouse like that. You need a savior and a king like that. You see, the only way that Lauren was able to be of any help or of any comfort was because she had tapped into the rhythm of God's heart for her. Even in like the midst of of all this unthinkable chaos and confusion, in a a place of darkness that you would think, man, if you think if that ever happened to me, I'd be completely out of my depth. I would be completely overwhelmed, anxious, confused. There's no way. That's because you're thinking of that future without a God in it. You see, Lauren had aligned her breath with God's breath. She'd aligned her heartbeat with the heartbeat of her Savior. And that's how we are all called to live in this very dark and very chaotic world. Because this is what Christianity is about. It's about tapping into the rhythm of God's heartbeat for us in Christ. It's not taking us out of this dark world, it's allowing us to lean into the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, even in the midst of the darkness and the confusion and the chaos. Now, of course, there's deep moments of sadness, but even Lauren, to this day, she'll tell you that the Prince of Peace reigns and reigned over all of it. The funeral for Dave Mira was massive. <laughs> I mean, the entire extreme sports, athletic world, and people from all over the world showed up to this thing, and it was, there was a lot of confused and brokenhearted people, and yet, that woman stood up and pointed everybody to the Prince of Peace. Actually, over 300 people surrendered their lives to Jesus that day bunch of crazy x-games guys not because of one moving speech but because they were introduced to the king of light and life in the midst of all that darkness and confusion they saw it on display see this is what christmas is all about It's a celebration that light has come to us even in the darkest of nights, even in the midst of the chaos and the confusion. We have a wonderful counselor. We have the mighty God, that everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He's not far off at a distance, He's not like waiting for you to figure it out. He's there, He's here, and He's near. He's Emmanuel, which means God with us, and he's closer to us than our own breath, and he's near enough to tap into the rhythm of his breath and his heartbeat. This is Christianity. This is what Christmas is actually all about. Christmas is about the advent, the appearing, the coming of the Prince of Peace. He has come. And so remember the word Advent, it means appearing or coming. And so the season of Advent is designed to prepare us, heart, mind, soul, and strength, to take in the significance of what Christ's first coming actually means for us now. Because we live in the overlap. He has come, and He is coming. He has come in a significant, dynamic way, but not even yet fully and totally, physically, at His second coming. It's like the difference between christmas eve and christmas morning this is the beauty of christmas and so we want to prepare our hearts for what god is doing and who he is and what he has done and so for the next a few weeks we're going to light each of these candles culminating in the fifth candle on christmas eve and so it's a way of preparing our hearts to tune into and turn up the christmas spirit amen And to turn down the noise of this world. That noise that causes so much anxiety and confusion. Christmas is about turning up the truth and tuning in to the spirit of God. No matter how dark it is, the light has come. So this morning we're talking about peace. But you need to know that peace The peace that Jesus offers is different than the peace that this world offers. Say that again. The peace that Jesus offers is totally different than the peace that this world offers and even often talks about. Like, this world presents peace as compromise, right? Simply get along in order to avoid conflict. But true peace is way more than just ceasing from conflict and playing nice together. That's a byproduct of it for sure. But the word for peace in the scriptures comes from the word shalom, which means wholeness, completeness, lacking nothing. Getting along and playing nice together is great and I'm all for it. But true peace is way more than simply a lack of conflict. And that kind of worldly peace often, as I've said before, it comes with a compromising of the truth in order to just get along. But the truth is is that without Christ, no matter how much you get along, there's still going to be this ache so often why we talk about loving one another and we twist the word love and we say, okay, well, I'm just loving them. And what you mean is you're not loving them. You're just trying to get along. And that's not peace. All you're doing is perpetuating the ache. Because there's a groaning and a longing deep within the soul of all humanity. There's a deep insufficiency There's a lacking, there's a pining in the human heart. Because the human heart in this world is out of rhythm and out of step with the heart of God. This is our circumstance. And that ache is ultimately what drives people to sin. That's the heart of the matter. And it just causes deeper sorrow. It's the why behind the what for every single issue in this world we just sang about it right long lay the world in sin and error pining that's that word it means like aching longing for those outside of authentic relationship in christ man all of humanity just pines in sin and error Incomplete, unsatisfied, unfulfilled, unknown, and yet longing to be known, but groping in the dark in all the wrong places, pining for significance and value and worth, looking to money and accolade and people or power or an escape from it all into these false comforts and addictions and even sloth. Because it's all just too much, so I'm just going to check out from it all completely because I just can't handle it, so I'm going to escape into Netflix or drinking or just... Staring at the wall in an overwhelmed haze while the rest of the world drifts. Long way the world and sin and error pining until he appeared. Listen to this. And the soul felt its worth. Does your soul feel its worth? Has your soul felt its worth? This morning, this Christmas Advent, my prayer for you is that your soul would feel it because of its appearing, his appearing. Like, I want you to know it because it's true whether you feel it or not, amen? But I want, as we round the corner here towards Christmas... I want you to prepare your hearts. I want you to posture your soul in order to receive the truth. To feel it, man. And to praise him. Because this is the gospel. That God became a man and he lived the life we couldn't live, and he died the death that we couldn't, that we deserve to die. And he paved the way to eternal life through the resurrection paving the way through the ascension to God, sitting at the right hand and sending His Spirit to us to dwell within us, to recreate us from the inside out, to call us His sons and daughters of the Most High King, to graft us into His relationship with God the Father. It's mind-boggling. And to bring us peace, even on earth as it is in heaven. Even now. Eternal life now, not just one day when we die, but it starts the moment we place our faith and our hope in what Christ did for us at the cross because that is how we enter into that relationship with him. That is the gospel. And as we, like, as we receive this, there's this sense of expectation and there's this living hope and there's this peace that overcomes us because we know that for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. This is not all there is. And that's what brings us the true joy and the spirit of Christmas. Because we live in the overlap. We live in the already not yet. He is here. He is closer than you know. And yet, not fully manifest. There's more to come. Because he is still yet to come. That's what all of this is pointing to. That final candle is going to point us to that new and glorious morn the ultimate Christmas morning. Amen? And so we live, again, in the overlap, but the Prince of Peace is available to us now. This is true peace, true wholeness, true rest and restoration, heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is who we have in Christ, and this is who we're called to be, because in Christ you're perfectly known and you're perfectly loved, and so this is the reminder. But in this world, man, it can be difficult to rest. It is hard, man. Even if you know the Prince of Peace, you can be be a mature, spirit-filled, grace-bought believer and rest can be so, or feel so out of reach sometimes. There's this constant tug on our souls in this world into unrest and even that sinful pining. It's never ending until He returns. That's why we've got to be intentional. So Christmas is our reminder that rest and restoration are available to us even now. Heart, mind, soul, and strength, this wholeness in Christ. And so here's what I want you to get this morning. If you get nothing else from anything that I say, here's what I want you to get, okay? You ready? To know Jesus is to know peace. To intentionally draw near to Jesus is to intentionally draw near to peace. Anybody need some peace? Anybody need some peace? You guys got to figure it out. This is something we've got to be intentional in, because Christmas is the call to realign with the rhythms of God's heartbeat in Christ. To to curl up, to snuggle up to the King. That's what it is, because this, this is what brings true peace on earth. But the way that we tend to celebrate Christmas, though, is to just turn the noise up louder. Right? Like I want you to see the tactics here. To turn up the hurry, which often just leads to further and further distance. Like it leads us out of step with God's unhurried rhythms of grace and peace. Our society tends to place a whole lot of value on being hurried and rushed. Like if you ever ask somebody how they're doing and they respond with, you know, staying busy. What? Staying busy. As, in, as if. That's their way of saying I'm good to go. I'm staying busy. Now that's, that's not wrong to stay busy, right? We're called to create and cultivate. That's good. But that type of mentality can actually lean into a performance identity. Right? Busy is good. When you're operating out of a place of overflow because we're again we're called to create and cultivate but it's easy to slip into a performance mentality and identify your own value and your own significance with how productive you are but a rushed like this rushed race for significance stands directly in opposition to finding our identity in christ's finished work in fact it's from that place it's from rest that we are called to work. Do you guys know that Sabbath is actually, for us, where we start, not where we finish? We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. This is why it's impossible to celebrate the Prince of Peace with a hurried soul. It's impossible to walk in rhythm with his heart when you're trying to catch up with the pace of a fallen world that's completely out of step. You see, Christmas is the time to step back and prioritize and tune in. To silence the hurry and worry and renounce the stress and tune into the rhythm of God's heart that beats with grace and peace. To ask, what's driving my hurry? Like at a soul level, what's going on? Is it greed? Is it insecurity, ego, fear? Is it people-pleasing? Am I afraid to let people down? Am I afraid to let God down? As if you're holding him up? This is the season to ask, what's the rhythm of God's heart? What are his priorities? Because there and only there will you find true grace and true peace. Now, hear me. Once you find that, once you identify his rhythms and his purpose and his calling, run! Run! Amen? Go get it. But in the midst of it, don't lose sight of it. Like run towards it. I don't mean run away from it. Run with him. Because maybe your struggle, it might be the opposite. Maybe you have no revelation of that significant purpose at all. This is not a call to just kick back on the couch and be like, oh, this is rest. That's not rest. That's often the thing that drains the snot out of us. Because we're called, rest is what happens, is, is how we are restored. And it comes from resting in him, aligning our hearts with his heart, not with Netflix. And so maybe, again, your struggle might be that you have no revelation of this purpose. Because look, the redeemed life is a life of kingdom purpose, not sloth. It's high in kingdom ambition and kingdom priority. Say priority. Like money is not bad. The love of money is. Right? And so creating and cultivating are byproducts of a heart that's tapped into God's good intention, but it's all to be fueled by living in step with his rhythms, not yours. His kingdom, not yours. His priorities, not yours. And so the new year often comes with the infamous, infamous like new year's resolutions, right? But it also often comes as a reaction to a hurried Christmas season. Like stress and weight gain and bad habits and coping mechanisms, that's what tend to like Occupy New Year's resolutions, right? It's like a reaction. And often New Year's resolutions, they're just an attempt to trade one anxious rush for another. The currents of this world will try to suck you in, they'll suck you into this dark rush of anxiety and fear that drive that anxious and insecure striving, just going out into the unknown where nothing is ever enough and everything's always unfinished and unworthy. And so these resolutions, what's the point anyway? That's why people don't make it past the first like two weeks. And yet, even creation is calling us now, not January 1st, but right now, even creation seems to be leaning into rest. Have you noticed it's starting to get darker and darker early and er earlier? Instead of taking the cue, though, we tend to lean into that artificial light, right? Like, cut the lights on, we don't even notice it's getting darker sometimes. We tend to turn up the noise and drown out any chance for true soul rest in Christ. And so often it's because we're, it can be often because we're afraid of what we might find if we tune into the heart of God. And yet that's exactly what we need. Sometimes we lean into the noise because it occupies and we don't have to deal with that thing or that pain or that place of hurt yet that's exactly what the spirit of god wants to bring healing to and so for the rest of our time i want to look at isaiah 9 verse 6 through 7 and let this old testament prophecy help us tune into the prince of peace of holistic restoration mind heart strength soul help us to tap into his rhythms of grace, even in a dark and chaotic world. And so Isaiah 9 actually takes place more than 700 years before Christ was born, and the world was actually in a really dark place. But God had chosen the Israelite people to be a light to the world and a blessing to the nations, but they'd turn away from him. And they were looking to the culture around them for guidance and comfort rather than to the Lord. This is often what happens, right? Like people that are saying, well, I'm not following Jesus. I'm not worshiping Jesus. He's not my shepherd. Then who is? What is? Because something is. Everybody worships something, okay? And so they didn't just turn away from God. They had turned towards the culture and society around them to be their false savior. That's the context of Isaiah. So Isaiah 8, read with me. Isaiah 8, verse 21. It says this, it sums up Israel's situation at this time, and he says, they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry, and when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God, and turn their faces upward, and they'll look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Again, long lay the world in sin and error pining. So the people were looking to everything and everyone but the Lord. Their eyes were upon the earth and the kings and kingdoms of the earth. But when they found those things to be hollow, they then raised their fists and blamed the Lord whom they had forsaken, as if it was his fault that they had turned away from him. That sounds familiar? And that happens all the time. There's nothing new under the sun. This has been happening for a long time. Rebel against God, run to false saviors, and then blame God when those false saviors aren't working out for you. But there's this small remnant in Israel who remained and didn't forsake the Lord, and they were looking to him, but the dark situation they were in was ruthless. And God speaks to those people here in Isaiah 9. That's the context of this. Look with me at Isaiah 9, verse 1 he says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Now these were the northernmost regions of Israel, or the promised land at that time. And these were the areas that were attacked first by the other nations that had invaded them. They were the ones that were taken off into slavery. They were the ones that were oppressed by the north. Every time people would attack Israel, they'd come from the north. And so that region was what got slammed first. Now listen to this. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So now remember, this was written more than 700 years before Christ's ministry. And so where did Christ's worldwide ministry begin? Galilee. In the northernmost region of the Promised Land. That's what it's talking about here. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, and he then returns from the desert beyond the Jordan after the temptation that he experienced, we talked about this a few weeks ago, And then he comes back full of the Spirit of God and it's game on. The light of the world had come and it came and it flipped the whole world upside down with the kingdom of heaven. He kicked it off there. Where did it start? In the land beyond the Jordan. In Galilee of the nations. This was written 700 years before any of that happened. The region that had experienced so much despair and war and enslavement is the place God came to first. God came to his people first where they had suffered the most. And that's where he brings them true peace. Look at verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. Remember, Isaiah is writing to a people that have been distraught and they've been conquered by the nations. He's writing to a remnant in anguish and in deep darkness, but he speaks prophetically out of their tragic present as if it were already past. As if the victory were already won through the triumph of the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Galilean. Now, maybe it's just because I'm a Bible geek, but I think this is amazing okay look at verse three you have multiplied the nation which we know Jesus did since salvation in Christ is now available to all nations adopted into the family of God we are all Israel true Israel you have increased its joy they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil now what spoil is he talking about Who's talking about? What's our battle? It's not with flesh and blood. But it's with powers, principalities, and rulers of this dark age. How happy are you when someone comes to Christ? Nobody. <laughs> yeah, that's what, Dylan. Dylan loves it. Like seriously, though. I mean, really. Like when you hear that someone has come to Christ, many of you have come to Christ in this church. And people, you were probably shocked at how thrilled people were that you had come and you'd surrendered your life. You're probably like, wait a minute, why are these people like, this is, you guys are like elated. And now you realize you've been plundered from hell. You see it? This is what we do, guys. These divide, it's dividing the spoil of the enemy and bringing in the harvest. And the harvest is plentiful workers are few so we pray for the lord of the harvest to raise up laborers and workers to go out into the field we catch his heart for the harvest and we go this is what it's it's prophesying this 700 years before jesus this is what we do this is who we are and man i pray that this christmas season this will be at the forefront of our hearts and our minds not hurried and worried but seeing the harvest and how plentiful it is. Verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. Now, Midian, this is a reference to what happened when Gideon, uh, the, 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 God raised up a judge named Gideon, and he had this miraculous victory that he had no business winning. And God gave it to him. In other words, the Lord of hosts will do it. It's a miraculous thing, as in a day of Midian. He's going to do it. Not you. Not your capacity to convince. Not your capacity to be smart enough, good enough, intelligent enough, witty enough. None of that stuff. God will do it. He's just asking us to enter in. This is the beauty of it. To step out in faith. That's it. Verse 5. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tum, tumult, tumult, what tumult, what is happening to me? Tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. You now, this echoes Psalm 46, verse 9 through 11. I'm going to read it real quick. Remember, Psalm 46 was written before this. Okay, so it's echoing this passage. Verse 9 it says, He makes wars cease to the end of the earth, He breaks the bow and shatters the spear, He burns the chariots with fire be still, say be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah, which means pause and pray. Rest in him. He will Yet he's invited us in to participate. So how will any of this be possible? Glad you asked. Look at verse 6 of Isaiah 9. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. I hope this brings up a thought of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So whether the world acknowledges him or not, Jesus is the true king of kings and the Lord of lords now. And of his kingdom there is no end see, his kingdom, though, this is really important, okay? His kingdom is full of worshipers. He's not concerned with the people that don't care. He's not concerned with people who are begrudging rule followers. They're not in his kingdom. They might have the appearance of godliness, but they've denied its power, which is, which is relational intimacy with the king of kings, the lord of lords, and the lover of your soul. That's why we don't enforce rules on people that don't know him. That's why Christendom did not work out. That's why the churches are full of people that did not know Jesus but thought that they were saved because they were following a bunch of rules. That's not Christianity. That's not what it's about. If that's how you perceive the kingdom of God, you've missed the point because he's come for our hearts. Because Jesus rules and reigns in spirit and in truth. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Say Father. Prince of Peace. Not a tyrant. King Ahaz was a tyrant. That's what they were experiencing during this time verse 7 of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of david the man after god's own heart and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this remember in the christmas story when the shepherds are tending the flock by night and the sky just unfolds in luke 2 remember this story and suddenly the heavenly host are praising God? Look at at Luke 2, verse 10 through 14. It says this, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Guys, this is a callback to that prophetic promise made 700 years before this through Isaiah. Because the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And there in the darkest of nights, and the shepherds are there with tending the flock, which incidentally were the flock of sheep that would be crucified or sacrificed, not crucified, but sacrificed in the temple. There in that moment, in the darkest of nights, the light just bursts forth and the shepherds are beholding the very zeal of the Lord of hosts himself who was bringing that promise to bear upon the earth through a baby, a son. Long way the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. <laughs> That's hard to get. When you're consumed with your own righteousness and your own capacity to perform and live up to expectations. Hard to receive God's pleasure and delight in you when that's how you perceive your own identity. And by hard I mean impossible. You know why he's pleased with you? Because you're his. And his grace is sufficient for you. Christ's finished work is enough. This is the heartbeat that we're called to this Christmas. Even in the midst of the darkness, this is the light of the world that he's calling us to align with and then point others to. And we're given here four names that speak directly to who Christ is and how he brings rest and restoration to our minds and our strength and our hearts and our souls. So the first one here, our minds, right? He is wonderful counselor. Think about that. He's wonderful. Like, there's nothing more exhausting in this world than to have a bunch of foolish people constantly trying to tell you how to live. Right? I mean, that is tiring. Especially when you're not sure yourself how to live. Right? And it gets even more difficult when you've got someone who is intelligent and yet foolish. But if you've ever had that trusted friend or mentor who you know and you know that they're wise and they have your best interests at heart, it's like a deep rest for your mind. You know, like you don't, you don't have to figure it all out. You, you can just take it to them and they're going to help you. you know, this world is filled with contradicting opinions about how we should live and, and what matters most. It's full of intelligent fools who are very persuasive and can be very convincing but without God, it's just foolishness. And like dumb fools, like, it, it, they're easy to deal with. Right? Like when someone's dumb and foolish, they're not intelligent, they're clear. Like they've exposed themselves. You don't listen to dumb fools. Right? If you do, this is a whole other sermon. <laughs> but it's the intelligent fools who sound wise because they are smart. But they're blind to true wisdom. Like, how many know there's a difference between intelligence and wisdom? Nobody? We got problems? We're going to preach through Proverbs next? Part of the darkness and confusion of this world is the result of the blind essentially leading the blind without Jesus, without the wonderful counselor. And that's exactly what we get. We just get deep darkness, confusion, anxiety, and worldly wisdom that may sound good at first, but ultimately outside of the word of God and and the... the presence of his spirit and wisdom, ultimately it's always going to lead to destruction. But Jesus is the wonderful counselor. His word is true and his ways are just and he has the best intentions for you and he's full of mercy and of grace. And so part of tapping into the rhythms of his heart means listening and resting in your wonderful counselor. So, even when you don't have it all figured out, your mind can rest from the race in prayerful surrender to Him when you listen to Him. Say, listen to Him. Isaiah 26, 3. You keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Next name we've got is Mighty God. Mighty God. When I find myself overly stressed or anxious about something important to me, one of the most helpful questions that I ask is, God, is this important to you? It's really important. God, is this important? It's important to me, but God, is it important to you? Because if it's important to him and he's calling me to it, then he cares more about whatever it is than I do. And if it's not important to him, it shouldn't be important to me. And I can let it go. But if it is important to him, then I can trust that he cares more about it than I do. And he's mighty God. He's a creative universe. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Like He loves my children and my wife more than I do. Like He cares about the people of Risen Church even more than I do. Like He cares more about the success and the fruitfulness and the growth of this church even more than I do. He cares way more about those who are far from God in our city than I do. When I was single, he cared about my romantic life and he desired for me to have a beautiful, godly woman even more than I did. And I'm really glad I did not settle because, amen? And I had to trust him in that because he is mighty God, not me. So if he's mighty and if he's able... If he cares about those things even more than I do, then we can trust him, right? Like I can trust him. I can trust his ways and I can trust his timing. Say timing. And in the interim, in the meantime, in the overlap, in the already not yet, you can have peace. Because you trust that he's good and you can surrender to his strength and rest in him because won't he do it? Psalm 127, verse 1 through 2, says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. That doesn't mean we shouldn't care about those things. It means that we tap into his heart and his desire and his longing for his kingdom to come in all those areas. But as we do, we can also tap into his strength to accomplish it all, and we trust him to do it because he's able, and his enemies are no match for him. And so we worship him with our mind and with our strength, and we rest in him, and we trust in him. Say, so trust in him. The next name is Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Now, this is a statement about the way God cares for us. You think about this. It's a statement of everlasting delight. Say delight. I'm going to get you going here. We're going we're to wake up into this one. Nothing brings him more delight than to have his children in his lap. Like, think about it. As a father, nothing brings me more delight, man. When My kids snuggle up to their daddy. It's, this is it, like my heart just dotes on them. They always know that they're my kids, right? They always know that they have the status of John Allen's child. Their last name. They wear it, right? They own it. It's who they are. That's their status. But they experience it on a heart level when I wrap my arms around them and I squeeze them close enough for them to hear the rhythm of my heartbeat. That's when they experience it and it gets deeply in them. That's when they know That they're loved. There's rest and restoration for their souls there. They're reminded that I'll never leave them and I'll never forsake them and that they're protected and they're provided for and they're unconditionally loved. That's the heart. That's a fatherly heart. And that's why it's so devastating to the heart of a child when a father leaves. But even the best earthly fathers are just a fallen shadow of the everlasting father that we're given access to in christ jesus came to graft us into this father-son relationship with the creator of the universe to tap directly into the source no matter what your shadows have been he's given us access to the source of everlasting abba father delight will you snuggle in he will But guys, if you don't delight in his delight over you, then you're confused about what Christianity even is. Like this is where rest and restoration happen. This is where we dump anxiety out and leave it. Like to love and be loved by God and enjoy him forever. Say enjoy him and be enjoyed by him. This is actually, a, 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 when we talk about the next one, the Prince of Peace. It's not last, but, I'm sorry, it is last, but it's not least. And, and so the Prince of Peace is the next title here, the next name that he's given. And it's a title for ancient government officials. Their rule was to bring about shalom, shalom. That was the goal. That's the goal of a ruler, a true ruler, and one who truly rules and reigns, is to bring about shalom, wholeness, and restoration to society. But they're a fallen shadow, especially the current king during Isaiah's time, Ahaz, who ruled over Israel in Isaiah's day. He was a tyrant. He didn't bring about shalom. He was an intelligent fool. He was corrupt, and he'd forsaken God and his people, even, to align with false saviors. He brought about economic prosperity to Israel, but he chose that over the kingdom of God, which ultimately led to destruction, not shalom. It was worldly wisdom, not true wisdom. Don't make that mistake. But the rule and reign of Christ is the true way of peace and shalom, wholeness, rest, and restoration on a deep soul level, transcending heart, mind, and strength deep down into the very reaches of who we are, and only Christ can provide rest for us in our souls. Like, without rest in your soul, you can't have true peace. Like, you can find brief sort of reprieve for your heart, your mind, and your strength, Right? We live, like just self-help books are eaten up with this stuff. Just how do you rest in your heart? How do you rest your mind? How do you rest your strength? Just constant. There's all these self-help and all these things that help. And you can get brief reprieve from those things, but it's only temporary because if your soul isn't at rest, you will live in unrest. It'll pull all those other things out and down. Because only surrender to Christ as your true king and savior can bring rest and restoration and redemption at a soul level. And that happens through surrender and priority. Intentionally. Say intentionally. Intentionally drawing near to Jesus. Leveraging. This is why. Why? We leverage our time and our talent and our treasure for his kingdom and his righteousness, for his glory. That doesn't happen naturally, guys. Like, naturally, our souls are pulled out of alignment into unrest. And there, there's a, even a lot of good causes in this world that we can align with. We can align our time, treasure, and talent with a lot of good things, and yet there's only one great commission to make disciples who make disciples. And if you're not in alignment with that, if your soul is not in alignment and at rest and in that restoration process with him in that, you're going to have an issue. There's going to be some stuff going on because God's plan for accomplishing all of that is through the local church. There's a sense in which we'll feel disconnected. So giving my first and my best and trusting him with the rest in every area of my life is one of the greatest catalysts of true peace in my life. When I can truly say, God, my life is leveraged for you. You are my prince. You are my king. My heart is aligned and broken for what breaks yours. I'm seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness and trusting him with all the rest. Because only there is true rest actually found. And there's a peace through alignment with him that surpasses understanding and liberates us from all those lesser saviors. Because to deny or ignore Jesus is to deny or ignore peace itself. But to know Jesus is to know peace. And to intentionally draw near to Jesus is to intentionally draw near to peace. And we know from James 4, when you draw near to God... He will draw near to you. And this is what Christmas is all about. It's not a call to laziness. It's not a call to disengagement. It's a call to kingdom engagement and alignment with the rhythm of God's heartbeat in Christ. Let's pray.